In winter, we must protect ourselves. Look after one another. Father. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. I miss him. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Cast of Kings, an unofficial podcast about the HBO original series Game of Thrones. I'm David Chen, and I haven't read most of the books in George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm Joanna Robinson, and I've read every book in George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, it is really an exciting time to be alive, because as we record this episode, it's Monday, April 8th. It is slightly before the season premiere of the final season of Game of Thrones. And uh, it is just, the, the, the buzz is everywhere. Every, everyone's asking me about it. Are people bothering you about it, Joanna? Every, people are asking you, hey, are you looking forward to Game of Thrones, Joanna Robinson? You looking forward to Game of Thrones? No one's mentioned it to me. <laughs> I totally forgot it was coming back. Oh, wow, that's weird. You're, you're, <laughs> you, have, you have weird friends then. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, we're, we're recording this kind of pre-game episode, pre-season eight episode. I guess it yeah. is season eight, right? Because I, I remember, it, like back in the day, they talked about it like they were splitting season seven into two parts. But in fact, it is going to be uh, season eight, right? Yeah, this isn't like this is this is no Breaking Bad, yeah. like season five A, season five B, or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, this is not yeah. season seven uh, B. This is season eight, uh, and it is going to be. Six episodes long, and uh, they released the run times of all six episodes, right? Um, so every episode is going to be at least, I want to say, 70 minutes. Is that right? Am I, do I have that right? No, that's oh. wrong. Okay. What's, <laughs> what, is, what is the uh, case then? That's the only time I'll tell you that you're wrong mm, uh, sure. this uh, final season of Game of Thrones. Um, the first two are sort of like normal, uh, normal size episodes so episode one episode two um are like 54 minutes 58 minutes and then from three onward it bumps up to like uh hour 22 hour 18 hour 20 hour 20 so Mm. well uh, i'm glad i glad i advocated the wrong theory um then you could shoot it down and now everyone knows what the episode lengths are so that's what what we do here on a cast of kings so we're, we're recording this episode basically just to kind of uh, talk about uh, you know fill in, fill each other in on like how we've been experiencing the show until now and kind of talk about what we're looking forward to for next year. I know there have been a lot of people who have been asking us about whether the show's coming back. You know, is there going to be Kickstarter? Uh, so to answer those questions, a cast of kings will be back for every episode of uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, final season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be no Kickstarter because uh, we have a new host and. Uh, ad seller and it's audio boom and they've done an incredible job selling ads for us this year on the podcast so we have some sponsorship we're really looking forward to uh you know doing the the show and uh supporting our sponsors and if you want to support the show the best way you can do that is uh by patronizing uh the goods of our sponsors so um that's some some basic answers for the questions people have had about this podcast uh but let's talk about what we've been doing when it comes to rewatch, you know, Joanna, you're going to be recapping the show on Vanity Fair. You've got two other podcasts talking about Game of Thrones. 
Um, and so, how have you been rewatching the show? Have you been uh, watching episode by episode, like you know, in order chronologically? Like, do you do one a day? Do you do three a day? How, how do you tackle this? Uh, bro, I'm on like a three day rep of Game of Thrones rewatch. No, um, I macro dosing uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones episodes. Um, I so I stupidly. <laughs> decided to do this like massive rewatch project podcast project for Vanity Fair. Uh, so I decided to like, you know, well, I was probably going to rewatch the whole thing anyway, but I decided it would be a great idea to do like a uh, pick our top 15 episodes, but this is a project I did with my, my colleague, Richard Lawson, pick our top 15 episodes and then count them down and do an episode of the podcast for each of those 15 episodes with an interview from someone who worked on that episode. So I say stupidly only because it's been a lot of work for me, but like it's actually been kind of amazing in terms of the way it's like re-energized my love for Thrones. Cause like, you know, we work really hard during the season. We get a little burned out, you know, towards the end of the season sometimes i have no like, idea what you're talking about no uh, you idea. know like people, that sounds completely people, <laughs> unfamiliar to me people get like really frosty with us or <laughs> uh you know and it's been a long off season and all all these reasons why like my enthusiasm might be a little dimmed coming into the final season and then i was like re-watching i rewatched the whole thing and then focusing on these episodes that i loved you know what i mean like we picked the episodes that we loved, so we're just like celebrating what we loved about these like past seven seasons and then talking to all these people like because um, I talked to some actors, but mostly I talked to uh, what they call below the line people. Uh, so, you know, like crafts people like uh, Deb Riley, who's a production designer, Tommy Dunn, who does the weapons or, you know, above the line people like Brian, executive producer Brian Cogman, who I first met on this podcast many years ago with you, Dave Chen, um, you know, director David Nutter, uh, cinematographer Fabian Wagner, like all these great, cool people who ha- who don't get to talk too much about Game of Thrones, you know, like you've heard a million interviews from Amelia Clark and that's great and they're all fun. But like Deb Riley told me all this stuff that I just like never heard. Or I talked to Hannah Waddingham who played Septa Unella, the shame nun, and she told me all this stuff that I had never heard. So like that was that's been really fun. So that that's uh that's called Still Watching Colon Game of Thrones, which you can listen to. But that's sort of how I've been structuring my rewatch. And then uh, you know, we're doing a little bit some recap stuff over on the Storm of Spoilers podcast. And like the last thing I'll say is before you're like joanna why are you doing three podcasts that's the craziest thing i've ever heard um you know i, I wasn't gonna say that but okay you can continue <laughs> well we've done we've done two podcasts in the last few years and i think it's worked really well just because like you and i have one dynamic and the dynamic i have with my storm spoilers co-hosts um is different we don't spoil everything even though it's called storm spoilers we have a spoiler section at the end you and i are completely spoiler free you know what i mean so it's just like a a slightly different dynamic and then the advantage i have with doing still watching um which we did when we did westworld i was doing still watching westworld at the same time is these interviews that i get to do where i get to find out fun stuff from people who worked on the episode so um you know i'm not saying anyone listening needs to be a crazy person subscribe to all three podcasts that i do but i promise you that i do have different things to say yeah, you make you make a all. conscious effort to differentiate between yeah. between the shows yeah. but yeah the the still watching project sounds hugely ambitious i commend you for it and uh, definitely encourage anyone to check it out uh, how long did it take you to rewatch the whole show like what was your cadence for rewatching it oh that's so funny you're the second person to use that word uh i don't know is it a marketing term um my cadence <laughs> i think it's a word that freaking geniuses use right? oh okay all yeah. right um so this uh my well i'm gonna start using it obviously um yeah. 
my my cadence through watching Game of Thrones. So we started, uh, you know, airing these episodes uh, like a month and a half. I want to say like six weeks ago, maybe not that long ago. Anyway, I would say I started like a month and a half to two months ago. I started my rewatch, and it it like I did fits and starts. Like one day, like two weekends ago, I just spent the whole day and watched all of season six because I was like behind. So wow. it's just sort of been like here and there. I'll watch a couple episodes or I'll, I'll watch the first season, full season. What have you been doing, uh, David Chen? Uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about like season seven, right? And man, um, looking back on it, 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 it I, I still kind of have... Like it was still, uh, uh, I still remember it as a fairly painful experience, you know. Um, not doing the show with you, but just I really didn't like season seven that much, you know. I I, w- I was very let down by season seven uh, for one big reason, which is that I thought that a lot of the stuff that went into the whole journey north to bring back the white um, just felt extremely contrived and kind of unbelievable. It felt like it portrayed the characters. Uh, in a way, you know, like th- these characters have been built up to be geniuses or very smart, you know, geniuses like Tyrion or, you know, savvy like Jon Snow, maybe sometimes. And uh, people who use the word cadence. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And uh, and I just felt like that whole plot line, like that episode, season seven, episode six, right, where they actually go north and and get the white, like there were two deus ex machinas in that episode, right? And it's just like, there's the the first deus ex machina with the dragon, and then the second deus ex machina with the... Um, Uncle Benjen. Uncle Benjen coming back, and then he's just like, oh, I can't go with you, because I need to slow these guys down. Goodbye. You know, it's just like, oh, wow, you introduced this guy, and then you're going to kill him off again. Uh, although, who knows? He has like 15 lives, so he's probably still alive. Um, but, yeah, uh, I was... So I have not... Uh, rewatched the entire series, but what I have done is I've uh, rewatched the entirety of season uh, seven, and then rewatched kind of like some key episodes from the rest of the show, and then also uh, these guys over at ScreenJunkies.com, which is one of my favorite uh, YouTube channels, they created a fifty-three minute recap video uh, that summarizes every major plot development from the first. Uh, seven seasons of the show. So I watched that, and that was actually really uh, great. Like, it's a really great... Like, uh, it's hard to summarize the show in a way that's comprehensible. And I think, like, if you haven't seen any of the show, it's probably still going to be hard to understand. But as someone who's watched the show, it was a really great uh, way to refresh myself. So um, not quite as hardcore as you. Uh, and, and I think part of the reason I'm not as hardcore as you... Well, there's many reasons, but one of them is that, like... I felt like I got burned by the show in season seven, and I'm like, I, I want to, uh, I don't want to fall too much in love with it again. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't want to get let down yeah. again. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. For me, I hear, I hear what you're saying. For me, like, it was about revisiting the stuff that I loved. That, like, I mean, I, I like, I, and I still think I'm going into this final season with clear eyes and full hearts. Um, because, you know, we don't do spoilers. You sometimes don't even watch trailers. Like, we're not going to talk about any plot develops and, so, and stuff like that. But, yeah. like, we know what this has been headed towards. We know there's a truncated runtime of the season, sort of. I mean, they've got the long episodes so I've looked at. We know that this has been headed towards, like, a, a showdown between the living and the dead of some kind. And and we know that, that increasingly Game of Thrones has become, like, a spectacle-friendly 
battle episode friendly show. And that's just a different show than the show that you and I started covering in season two. Right. Yep. And so I think the thing that, that, you know, in, in, in the, um, interest of staying like up and fun and having fun last year, last season, I think the thing I kept telling myself and we kept telling each other, was just sort of like, okay, if this is a different show now, this is a phase two, there's like a hard pivot point when a, they run out of books B, they see that George R. R. Martin is probably not going to complete uh, his publishing deadlines anytime soon. And C, they kind of like, okay, we need to end towards, we need to aim towards an end goal. You know what I mean? And so then, then the show becomes something else because they're just like zooming towards the finish line, whereas George got like stuck in the quagmire, right? Um, and so what can we find to enjoy in this new kind of show that it is? Well, and I, I think, that, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I just need to be clear that, like, I also love spectacle. You know, it's not like I'm mm-hmm. anti-spectacle. Yeah. I, I am, I am similar to you in the sense that I think some of the, like season one, I think still remains my favorite season of the show, right? And that was the season where they had the least budget, right? The least uh, number of sets that they could use, right? Like, uh, they, it, it was like probably the least visually interesting of all the shit because they didn't have these spectacular locations that they go to in the later seasons. And so, uh, despite all that, season one is still my favorite uh, season because uh, of how it subverts your expectations for this kind of story. And also uh, because a lot of the pleasures of the show were in the drama, the character drama between these uh, these characters and what they're how they interact with each other, the dynamics between them. Um, so while I am similar to you in that, I also loved it in season seven, episode three, I want to say, when... Uh, you see the Dothraki uh, and the dragons attack the Lannister men for the first time. Uh, it, that's just like incredible, like mind blowing to see. And rewatching it, I was I remember how into it I got uh, when the season was airing because uh, when the dragon like lights all those dudes on fire, and I, I remember watching the making of of that yeah. episode and how like that was extremely dangerous to do because you generally don't light a bunch of people on fire at once. Uh, even uh, on set, like because practically it's difficult to put them all out if something goes wrong, and uh, they did that for the, they actually did it. It wasn't like CG fire or anything; they did it. So I love the spectacle too. I have no issue with spectacle. I think my issue is with characters behaving stupidly, right? Like in or in ways that I feel are contrary to what we've been led to believe, or in ways that feel a little bit too convenient for kind of the story that they're trying, like the the sort of spectacle or plot driven elements they're trying to tell. So uh-huh. just want to clarify yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoils of War, which was uh, season seven, episode four, uh, I agree, was like the best kind of spectacle. Um, and it's like anchored in character, right? Like yes. you're you're caring a lot about what's happening with Jamie, with Braun, with Daenerys, the Tyrion watching, et cetera. I mean, like that's that's like to me, you know, we only picked one season seven episode to talk about in our rewatch project. And I picked Spoils of War over the finale because I was just like, this is it for me. This is what I, <laughs> this is what I care about. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. so, yeah, that's, so that's what I'm saying. I'm just like trying to revisit the things that I love. And I know I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, um, Brian Cogman, who um, who has always really excelled at those like two people talking in room scenes that you were sort of alluding to earlier, um, he wrote the second episode. It's a it's a regular runtime episode, and it's sort of like um, he told me it's like a love letter to the characters. That it's very like 
he's like, this is, he was like, this is an old school Brian Cogman episode is mm. what he said. He was like, I'm really happy with my final episode. It feels like, like what I kind of more used to do on the show. Mm. And that has got me like, if for nothing else, <laughs> I am amped for episode two when probably there are like no dragons or zombies at all. And it's just people in rooms talking like that's my shit. So, um, yeah, I'm I I have things that I'm very much looking forward to in this final season. And then also there's just like then we'll just know. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll just know the ending of Game of Thrones. Yeah. That, uh, you know. Or something clo- something approximating it, you know. Um cuz Well, the ending of Game of Thrones is different than the ending of A Song of Ice and Fire as far as I'm concerned, I see. right? Like, I see. yeah. Oh, I, oh, okay. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess technically speaking, that's correct. Anyway. Uh so uh, have you seen the uh, season premiere yet, by any chance, Joanna? Um, I have not seen it now. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we're, we're going into it fresh next week together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be exciting. So, all right. So th- th- that's kind of how we've been rewatching, re-experiencing the show. So all that said, you know, as usual, I'm a I'm a negative. Uh, what? It, by the way, here's a question for you. I was gonna say negative Nelly, but is negative Nelly like a gendered? pejorative like is it like you know what i mean like is it bad if i say negative nelly do you have any uh, sense of that? i have no feelings around that except i know <laughs> nelly has also been used as like a um there's also like nervous nelly and then there's also like oh. nelly ne- was used as like a like somewhat of a, like a gay slur like an infant not that that's what, how you're using it i see okay, okay let me let me uh change that <laughs> to say someone in the chat room is saying negative nathan Oh yeah, okay. and, and it was actually negative Nancy. That's what I was supposed to. Oh, say. okay. Um, but I'm not going to say negative Nancy because I don't want to imply that uh, it's a gendered term. So uh, I I didn't mean to be a negative Nathan. Joanna. I like I, I like Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. <laughs> that's like a classic SNL. It is classic. It is classic. Though, yeah. But yes, negative yeah. Nathan. I did, as usual, I'm a negative Nathan, and <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, I I do want to just say that like. To some extent, I am really looking forward to this next season because uh, for a few reasons, right? Um, number one, with only six episodes and with some like feature length episodes, uh, my guess is like my hope is that they're going to take real chances with the storytelling that they haven't been able to take before. Um, I'm curious how the episodes are going to be structured from a story perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, are they are like these uh, episodes going to be viewable as films you know like Mm, could you view a 90 minute episode and like that's its own film you know and like you don't even need any context from the show like um or is it just kind of like you know i think in season two it was the worst when it would just be like we're just bouncing around and getting like five minutes with every character right and then as the show went on later on you'd sometimes have episodes where like where there's whole episodes where it doesn't deal with uh, you know five of the characters that we've been following and it just like focuses on two two locations or something like that um, so I'm curious how it's going to be structured. Which, I, like, you seemed angry about both of those. Which do you prefer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm enraged by one and infuriated <laughs> by the other. Um, no, I think uh, I uh, the the one of bouncing around like that felt like they were still trying to find their mm. voice. It felt like when, and I think I'm correct that in season two is when it was worse. It was like every episode would be like five to eight minutes in one location, and it felt like the the showrunners felt like they were obligated to show us to, some bit to check of it. In with yeah, them, to right? check in yeah. or else we'd like forget about them or stop caring about them. And then later yeah. on, they re- like uh, perhaps enough character work had been done that they didn't feel like they needed to do that anymore. 
And I think uh, I'm just really curious. Like, is are we gonna have like one episode that's like from the perspective of Gendry? You know, like I've I have no idea. Like, and that's what's amazing too. Is like, I mean, I don't follow the leaks, but I just have no idea what is gonna happen. So I'm very curious. Like, it's it seems what they're doing is extremely ambitious, right? That they have like six episodes. They probably spent a boatload of money on them, um, and some of them are very long. And so I'm just curious. Like, what are they gonna do? With that extra money, with that extra runtime, uh, how interesting is it going to be? So I'm, I'm I'm very excited about that. And then the other thing I'm excited about is uh, I don't know if you saw this article that Matt Zoller Sites wrote at Vulture the other day, and I don't, I don't know if you agree with it, uh, but it's basically I think the headline of the article was "Is Game of Thrones the last show we'll all watch together?" Right, and how like Game of Thrones is a phenomenon and perhaps one of the last shows. That we that there will be this monoculture and you know we've talked about this on the podcast before but like yeah um, it, it has like this water cooler element to it where everyone's gonna be talking about it the next day and um, and so yeah like uh, it is a rare thing to be able to watch a show like that to experience a show like that with other people um, you and I have a very odd position in that we have hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this show and so we kind of experience it with them um, and. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. Like, uh, it, it's just it's just a really gratifying, intense, fun experience to experience something with like a bunch of other people at once. And so, uh, I am still, to some extent, really looking forward to the next season. So, I just wanted not to be too much, not to be <laughs> too much of a negative. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny. I want to give credit to my lovely editor Matt Lynch, who like two seasons ago is the one who planted the idea of Game of Thrones being the end of the monoculture in my brain, uh, which is why you and I have had conversations about it on the podcast. Cause like, yeah, he was like way ahead of like, he anticipated that this was happening. I'm sure he wasn't the first person to anticipate, but he's the first person to talk to me about it. So like other people like Matt's, Matt Zeller sites, his article was great, but I was like, welcome to the party pal. Like we've been <laughs> talking about this, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of how I felt about it. Um, but it was a great article and, and I agree. It's something to consider. And it's something that like I've been, what's been weird for me around this final season this has never happened to me before i've had like a million interview requests and i don't usually like no one usually wants to hear what i think in that kind of way do you know what i mean like we do these podcasts but no one like no one ever calls me up is like hey joanna we want to we want your thoughts on something um but like because of the work that you and i have done around thrones you know like a lot of people are like what does it all mean and also like um what are you going to do when it's all over, Joanna? Are you just going to like <laughs> throw yourself off a cliff? And I'm just like, okay, um, there, I had some sort of life before Thrones, I swear. It'll be fine. Um, but, but yeah. yeah so uh, like, we, uh, we, we have gotten a uh, number of interview requests. I think we will be on, I, I want to say we're going to be on NPR at some point in the next week or two, assuming that doesn't fall through. So that should be fun. We'll probably mention it on next week's episode. Um, but yeah, there, there have been, I think it's because it, it is difficult to understate how big of a phenomenon this show is at this point in time. Right. And, uh, it, it, there's, a, it, it basically has no equal in popular culture right now. Right. So the fact that it's like coming to a conclusion in what is sure to be its most successful season ever, I think means that a lot of media organizations want to like capitalize on it and be like oh hey like let's do a story on game of thrones so uh, you know that's my assessment of why oh, of course that's yeah right. no, no no of course no no, no. i'm not, I, it's nothing to do with me it has everything to do with the, the the culture in the moment but like um 
it, and it, and has, beyond, it has a lot to do with you too. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just trying to like kind of explain why <laughs> I feel like I'm just trying to contextualize yeah. why like the volume has gone up in recent days, you know? Of course. Yeah. 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 But, um, also the, um, it's not just like, that's the other thing I, I was interviewing, uh, Joe Dempsey about this on, uh, the still watching podcast, Gendry himself. And, um, and I said something like, I was like, it's kind of cause he was talking about, Oh, it felt like the last day of school when we were shooting, you know, graduation day or something like that. And, um, and I was like, um, that's so funny. Cause that's sort of exactly what, uh, the actress who played the Avengers told me when I was on the set of Avengers Endgame, you know, I like did the story on that and they were like, and the fact that Avengers Endgame is coming out in the middle of this final season of Game of Thrones. Not and, cool. Not cool, Marvel. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's really tough. It's fucking tough for yep. me personally, but also like the end of a decade of the biggest film franchise in the world and the end of a decade of the biggest TV show in the world. And like, obviously there will be more Marvel movies. They, they will probably only get bigger, but it's still the closing chapter of something. And I was like, I was talking about, it, I was like, it's crazy that it's happening all at once. And Joe Dempsey's like, it's the end of culture as we know it. And I'm <laughs> like, you know, like kind of making fun of me, but I was just sort of like, it is. I mean, it's yeah. this huge moment for film and television. Uh, we will have something beyond it, but it will be different because of streaming culture, because of binge watch culture, because of all this sort of stuff. There is never, people have been asking me for years, what's the next game of Thrones? And I'm like, there is no next game of Thrones. This yeah. is it. Yeah. This is it. So it is crazy. In the next, you know, three to six weeks, we are going to experience the end of a massive era in both television and film, and uh, we both get to be here, front row seats. It's uh, it's crazy. It's a blessing. Uh, hashtag bless. <laughs> so and a curse. No, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the plot lines that we're most looking forward to next season, right? Um, yeah, and. I think probably the biggest thing, the, the most immediate thing uh, on, on my mind is uh, at the end of uh, last season, right, Jon Snow and uh, Daenerys Targaryen get it on without knowing that Jon is actually Daenerys's nephew, Right. Right. Uh, and what was his uh, original name? Egon Targaryen. Is that right? Did I get that right? Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it, bud. You're yes. back. He, he was actually the legitimate heir of Eris uh-huh. Targaryen. Rhaegar. Well, Rhaegar. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Rhaegar. well, Eris. I'll, I'll count Eris because Eris okay. is the king. But Rhaegar is his son. R- okay, John, Rhaegar. Yeah. John is his son. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was. He's. We found out he's the legitimate heir, not just a bastard child. And um, mm-hmm. so, uh, and Bran knows what's up. Um, and also, I think John and Daenerys are heading back to Winterfell. So, like, at some point, presumably in the first couple episodes, they're going to find out uh, what their true relationship is, and sparks will fly. Right? Something interesting is going to happen there um, when they come to that realization. Or will it? Mm, interesting. Mm. So uh, that is probably like kind of the biggest thing I want to see how that resolves, right? Uh, and and the most immediate cliffhanger, in my opinion. Uh, how about you? For, what are, yeah. So, assuming that's that is yours, or if it's not, let me know. Like, what is it's your not, second not. most anticipated thing? That's not mine because, like, you know, we talked about and this journey back rewatching the show has really like helped me just anchor myself to the things that I, the stories that I care the most about. 
And it helps me sort of like let go of the things that like I don't care about, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so like I think it's perfectly okay that my favorite characters on the show are like Theon Greyjoy, Jamie Lannister, Brienne of Tarth, Jorah Mormont. Those mm. are like, those are my, that's my crew. Right. So like, I care a lot about the fact that Jamie Lannister is headed north, like has broken with Cersei and is headed north and to see, headed back to the place where last time he was there, he pushed a kid out of a tower. <laughs> and now that kid is on all seeing like, you know, right. entity, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Jamie and Brienne reuniting. Cause that's a relationship. And I don't even just mean it in a romantic or sexual way. It's just like, there's been, you know, John and Daenerys is interesting in its own right in terms of like, uh, you know, these people burdened with heroic destiny and stuff like that. But like the Jamie and Brienne relationship is the relationship that the story has done the most work laying the track for, you know, like we got the bulk of their stuff in like season two and season three. And then we have them like, you know, here and meeting here and there and checking in. How's your, how's your moral progress, Jamie Lannister? (laughs) Have you figured it out yet? Sort of thing. And so this feels like, and I think they will have time for it. I like to believe that they will have time for it, that this feels like the most rewarding and enriching payoff for me. And I just, I love Gwendolyn Christie. I love Nicola Costa Waldo. And I think what they do is just amazing. So that's huge for me. And then also, um, you know, uh, last we saw Theon, he's heading off to rescue his sister Yara, but I don't know what, you know, if from, he's from Euron, right? Euron from Euron. Has her, yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know what they do next. I don't know if he's successful. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is like what seems like it has to happen is that Theon gets more closure with like what he did to and with the Starks. Mm. That's interesting to me. I remember it's so funny. I was I was remembering back when we first were covering the show and we covered we started with season two. And that's when like Theon takes over Winterfell and then like, you know, loses Winterfell and then is tortured. And you had a lot of issues with the the length of the torture and all that. But you loved the Theon stuff in season two. And I was like, not so into it. But you're like, I really feel for this guy. Like, and there's all this Maester Lewin stuff. There's all this like cool stuff in there that like, I was not that interested in. You were really interested in. And rewatching it, I'm like, Dave Chen was right. Like, uh, you <laughs> well, can, you can go ahead Let's and note the time. Yeah, it's yeah. April Pull that 8th. audio. Yep. Pull that audio out. <laughs> Make it your make it your ringtone. Yep, gonna be uh, my texting tone. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. So like you know, Dave Chen was right. This Theon Greyjoy stuff is really interesting to me, and that's just like a huge wound that never healed for him. So that kind of like closure is interesting to me. Um. And then yeah, and then just you know, my guy Jorah Mormont. You know, I'm always interested in what he's yeah. up to. So, so I think what you're saying you're looking forward to most is literally everything that I didn't say, right? <laughs> Oh, there's like, I'm because there's, I know you I'm are, just, but like, I'm there's, just messing with you. I'm just messing there's, <laughs> there's the, I think, I think what's true and I don't mean to sound hipster about it, but I think what's true is that what I'm interested in, I think it's safe to say it. What I'm interested in is not what m- most people are interested in the final season. Like they want to see epic dragon battles. They want to see what Arya and Sansa are up to. They want to see what Jon and Daenerys are up to. And like, uh, that's all fine, uh, beautiful background for 
what I consider the Song of Ice and Fire, which is Brienne of Tarth and Lannister. So we'll I, I think see. that's a fair point that that relationship. Uh, I, I'm interested in the Jon Snow Daenerys stuff from a pure plot mechanic thing, right? Because like yeah. that is going to probably be the most consequential for how this, the story ends, right? Who who ends up sitting on the Iron Throne, like that stuff. So th- I'm interested in that. But I agree with you that the Brienne Jamie relationship is the most interesting one on the show right now, right? Yeah. That how that resolves and you know they they have a brief encounter at the season finale of season seven right when they're at the dragon pit mm-hmm. um and you know that that's like and as much as i really didn't like season seven right um i really love that it threw these characters together in really kind of weird <laughs> unpredictable permutations and kind of allowed them to bounce off each other and people meet who haven't seen each other in years and um, and that's just a testament to how great the, the show has done in like building up these characters and their own individual plot lines over time that when you mix them back together, it's like very, it's a delight to see. So, uh, but yeah, agree that the Jamie Brienne relationship is, is also something that I'm keen to see how it resolves. The Arya Sansa storyline, which I think none of us mentioned. Um, I mean, that was a rough plot line in season seven, you know, watching it again, I found it to be pretty irritating for the following reason right that like it it they played it like oh maybe these these girls are going to turn against each other right these daughters are going to turn against each other um or sisters i should say and um and and i think like deep down we all kind of knew that that was never going to happen and uh and then it turns out that they were plotting against littlefinger all along and no they weren't they weren't though that's what's, that's what drives me crazy okay is so, like you tell me it's like that would be like an okay, not great thing to have done. Like, oh, JK, Sansa and Arya were collaborating the the whole time. But like I read the scripts. I went to the WGA library in LA and I read the scripts for season seven and they were not in cahoots. They figured it out somewhere between like <laughs> episode, six, episode and seven. six and seven. <laughs> yeah, that's where they figured it out. And, and Isaac Hempstead Wright gave a scene last gave an interview last season where he said like there was a cut scene where the three of them like sort of talked it out in a room or something like that or, or like began to talk it out. But it wasn't that like the whole season they were hep to Littlefinger's ma- manipulations and like were manipulating him. That would have been like like honestly less frustrating to me. But instead, it's <laughs> it was like they got suckered by him and then they figured it out, but off screen. And the reason they did it off screen was so that they could like, you know, do that like bait and switch for us all. So we're like, oh damn, oh dang, they, like, yeah, like they, they, they really wanted a bunch but, of like oh dang yeah. moments in the last. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the last episode, which like I don't begrudge them for wanting to generate that reaction, but at what cost, Joanna Robinson? At what cost? <laughs> yeah, like every time they cut back to the uh, to the Sansa Arya stuff uh, last season, I was like, here we go. You know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's that, exactly my that, reaction. <laughs> and that bums me out because I mean, there's some exceptions. Like I still love the Arya and Brienne fight. I think that's like a really fun thing to watch, and I like it's frustrating to me because I really want to not root for Sansa because that's like sort of simplistic, but like I want to be like really engaged and into her story. And I think Sophie Turner is actually giving an incredible performance. And I think just the, the plot machinations let her down sometimes. Like they keep generating this conflict for her, like conflict with John conflict with Arya, uh, you know, potential conflict with Daenerys. And I'm just sort of like, I, it's not that I, 
and Sansa has earned that to a certain extent, you know, like she has this great, you know, you and I, <laughs> we, we talked a lot about battle of the bastards. Uh, I did not like battle of the bastards as much, uh, the season six episode battle of the bastards, which is one of the like most beloved and popular episodes by the masses. And I was like, ah, not so much for me because, uh, I don't really understand this Sansa twist here. That being said, rewatching it. So, so the Sansa twist, we should be clear, right? Is her coming in at the last second, with yeah. Littlefinger's men and like saving the day, but she didn't feel the need to tell John that uh, beforehand, so they could all plan for it together, right? She just decided to just like surprise, here I am, kind of deal, right? And yeah, and it's just it's it's frustrating to me because I don't feel like Sansa would do that. That being said, she says this thing in that episode, and I think I talked about this elsewhere, so forgive me. I I am repeating myself across at least one of my Game of Thrones podcasts, but like I was rewatching it and she says this thing to him in the tent. She go, he goes like Jon Snow goes like, you know, she's like, basically she says, if I get taken by Ramsey, I'm going to kill myself. Like I'm not going back to Winterfell. Right. So if we lose, I'm killing myself. No pressure, like no pressure, <laughs> but I'm going to kill myself. And he's like, I won't let him take him, take you. I won't let anything happen to you. You know, like I'll protect you. And she goes, you can't protect me. Nobody can protect anyone. And like, I'm like, yeah, Sansa's right about like, that is the most right thing that anyone has has said in game of Thrones. That is a fact because like she had all these quote unquote protectors and they all let her down one after another. Um, so like she has to protect herself. So that's true. And then secondly, like, um, uh, you know, uh, I forget what the second part is. Point B. She's right <laughs> about that. She's right about that. She's wrong to not tell him about Littlefinger and Nice of the Veil, but she's right about that. So, like, has Sansa and Sophie Turner earned this, like, distrustful, defensive, um, like, austere sort of version of Sansa? Yes. And I like that she's, like, a little bit of Catelyn Stark in that way. Like, her mom, you know what I mean? Like, her mom was sort of like that a bit in the, you know, she's prickly a little bit. But this, but I feel like there should be an inner circle. I would hope there would be an inner circle. And I would hope that Arya could be embraced in there. And, and it seems like that's where they land at the end of the season. And I would hope that Jon could be embraced there, um, et cetera. You know, like, that's... That's what I hope for for Sansa. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah. And, and there is that very touching moment at the end when they talk about missing their uh, – I think they're talking about missing Ned, right? Uh, as they're st- kind of standing on the wall of Winterfell <laughs> and you kind of get a sense of how far these uh, women have come. And it's, it's a very touching moment and almost worth that entire terrible season of Mastination just for that moment alone. But not quite. Almost, but not quite. And – I mean, I think, like, really, like, my issues with season seven can be summed up to people just doing things because the plot demanded it or because it was in the script, right? Like, um, hey, we're going to you know, bicker and fight and then all of a sudden uh, turn things around on Littlefinger because that's what the script says. Or we're going to go to the north and try to find this white because that's what the script says. We're going to imperil uh, our dragons and one of them is going to become an ice dragon because that's what the script says not be and this is in contrast obviously the script actually says those things but I mean like in contrast to that's actually what those characters would do you know um, so alright I think I've I think I've been a negative Nathan enough on, on season 7 so I'll stop that um, <laughs> well there are some you know like like uh, let's let's pick let's each pick <laughs> three things that we liked about season 7 uh huh uh, you go first. I'll I'll go first. <laughs> the death of 
Lady Olenna, Queen of Thorns, Tyrell. That was is very good. One of the most iconic moments in Game of Thrones. Tell Cersei I want her to know it was me. We'll go down is one of the most iconic lines in the series, and George R. R. Martin didn't write it. So you know what's hilarious? Uh, really quickly, uh, I'll give you. I'll stall and give you more time to think of things. Um, <laughs> Uh, I found out recently, and I didn't realize this, that uh, burn them all, which is like what Ares Targaryen says, you know, according to Jamie and according to flashbacks about wanting to set King's Landing on fire with wildfire, stuff like that. Burn them all, burn them all. That is never written in George R. R. Martin's books. Mm. Burn them all. That's a show invention. And that's so funny because that's like that seems like such an iconic, like, old George R. R. Martin like sort of phrase, but it's but the show did it. And also tell Cersei I want to know, I want her to know it's me. Okay. Uh Dave Chan, give me give me one thing you liked about season seven. Wait, I thought you were gonna do the three of them first. Oh, I'm doing all three? Okay, I can do I can do Yeah, more. do all three. Do all I, three. Just, I just didn't want to like take any that you might <laughs> no, uh, want. Uh, too late, but continue. <laughs> all right. Um, how about that moment in the finale? Uh when they're all gathered in the dragon pit and uh there's they like cut off that zombie arm and Kyburn like sort of approaches it. Yeah. Like he's really excited That's about the good. zombie arm. Pretty it's good. Pretty good. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh okay, one more. One more. I can do this. Um what about like the visuals of Dragonstone? You know, they found these like this beach in Spain with these mm. like a dramatic beautiful like architecture and those like beautiful steps up like this that was a brand new new location that they use in season seven uh it's like i think it's like zymea beach i want to say i might have butchered that uh and then in a separate location those beautiful like steps that they filmed a lot of stuff on um i think you know like game of thrones just like i was talking to deb riley about that i think it was about that i can't remember but like you know she as a production designer she is responsible. She was responsible for location scouting um, as part of her job. And she was like, credit to the producers on Game of Thrones is like on other projects I've been on, we might find a location like that and bring it back to the producers. And they'd be like, are you kidding? We cannot get our trucks in there. It's a nightmare pick somewhere else. And she's like, I was never told that on Game of Thrones. So no matter how hard it was going to like be to get the production in there, right. they were like, yep, that's it. That's the place. Uh, so yeah, I will say Lady Olenna's death Kyburn in the zombie arm and uh, the Dragonstone location. What yeah. do you got? Okay, uh, I've already kind of brought this moment up, but uh, in episode four, The Spoils of War, uh, there is this double whammy of uh, Jamie and Braun seeing the dragons for the first time, right? Yeah. Because I don't think they've ever seen a dragon. So that's already incredibly terrifying. And then follow that up with a horde of Dothraki riding. With like standing yeah. up on the horses, so right? good, and that's just like first of all, that's like super creative. That like because I, I remember watching the making of it, and they're like, oh, we we need to figure out a way to make these Dothraki even more menacing, right? And the solution is let's have them just stand up while they're riding at like thirty five miles per hour down. So uh, good, so, right? So yeah. just incredible visual, really inventive. Uh, yeah, the way they uh, figured out how to do that. Um. And then there's like some things that like I don't I don't agree with the decisions that led to the things I'm about to say. You know what I mean? But I uh-huh. but I like what the outcome was, right? So one of them is uh, the kind of Night King using an ice javelin to kill Viserion, and 
that is just, you know, I, I'm rooting for Viserion. I'm not rooting for, for the, the Night King. But first of all, I love the way the Night King, like the whole conception of that character is executed. And he just has this kind of like equanimity on his face, right? Like he's never phased by it. Like there's no emotions, mm-hmm. right? And he's just like, he's just chilling. Like his whole, all his men are like dying and he just doesn't, doesn't give a crap. And he just takes an ice javelin nonchalantly, like, like he's done this like a thousand times and just flings it up in the air at Viserion and it brings that, that dragon down. And um, the, for 65 episodes or 66 episodes, right? Like the dragons have gone from, you know, baby dragons to they can do a little bit of damage to it's actually very difficult to maintain them because they're so big to they can do a ton of damage. And then to see that one of them could be brought down by Ice Javelin, uh, it's a, it's an incredible, breathtaking moment. So I really like that. And then Theon finally, uh, <laughs> finally growing a pair, as it were, um, mm. and uh, taking on uh, the dude that's in charge of all those Iron Islands people and kind of beating him to death. And then kind of him collapsing on the beach that visual of him collapsing on the beach is like one mm. of the most beautiful visions. Like as we dis- I-, I actually remember us talk- talking about that scene on the podcast and how like <clears throat> even if he didn't have uh, you know a member down there, like it would probably still uh, really be extremely painful if you were to get need there, like he is in that scene. But um, just the payoff is like I understood what they're trying to do, which is that like he is embracing who he really is and embracing himself for all of his shortcomings and uh, and all of his failures and using it to his advantage in that scene. Um, and so I, I kind of get what they're trying to do and even if it's a, a little bit heavy-handed. And then him just collapsing on the beach afterwards um, is just is just an incredible visual uh, that that is uh, emblematic of how far that character has gone and what he's gone through. So, uh, so there's some three things for you as well. Right there. Thank you. We did it. We did it. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. Um, let's see if there's anyone else we need to like catch up with. We talked about Bram. We talked about Daenerys. Talked about John, uh, Arya and Sansa. We Brian talked about Brian and Jamie. Yep. Brian and Jamie. Oh, we need to talk about Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. That's who we need to talk about. Okay. Well, we have not even mentioned him until this point. So, uh-huh. what are your what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I think that. Um, here's the problem is that the first I want to say five or six seasons of Game of Thrones built Tyrion Lannister up to be like a not only a really smart and funny dude but a strategic genius right yeah Mm -hmm. and he made to put it lightly a number of blunders in the most recent season right Um, some strategic blunders and then also his ultimate blunder was hey let's send these people north so they can get this white and bring it south and that's going to convince Cersei which like it's it's a rough situation when the people in the audience are smarter than this character on screen who you've built up to be a genius right because mm-hmm. none of us none of us thought that that would ever work and we were all right um, Cersei did not uh, it did not have the impact on Cersei that Tyrion would have wanted so you know that's that's kind of like why season 7 was rough for Tyrion what are your thoughts for him going into season 8 
Um, obviously I can't speculate too much, um, only because I do know some things. Uh, so I've been sort of trying mm. to sidestep speculation generally, but, um, was, was I off base in anything I said just now though? In your opinion? No, yeah, no, okay. no, no, you're All right. right. Um, we talked a lot about that, about like, yeah, how Tyrion went from the smartest guy in the room to like making all these. I mean, I would say he had like one, uh, uh, I was thinking about this and Nikolai Costa said similar, like, uh, he was in the Europe. This is not a spoiler. It was just sort of like in the European junket tour for season eight. Uh, someone was asking about like sitting on the iron throne or who would sit on the iron throne or whatever. And, uh, the actor, Jerome Flynn, who plays Braun, was like, oh, Tyrion, I think. And Nicolai Coswell is like, have you ever noticed that all his plans go to shit, though? Um, <laughs> so so Nikolai's with you. But, um, yes. yeah, that that Tyrion went from, like, the smartest guy in the room to, I would say, ever since he left Westeros. Maybe before that. I don't know. Season three was last time. You know, because, like, season four, he's, like, mostly just, like, jailed and then, like... So maybe it's, like, when your family tries to kill you in season four of Game of Thrones, like, you don't come back from that. And I will say this, uh, in the books, Tyrion is, like, way more fucked up by what happens to him in season four in that book uh, going forward. You know what I mean? Like, the the fact that his, like, family tried to have him killed and stuff like that and that he killed his dad and killed Shay and all this sort of stuff like that. So... Um, I just want to focus zero in on this like final moment for Tyrion, uh, in season seven. Cause I find it so intriguing. Um, and I wrote a lot about it when it happened, which is John and Daenerys, uh, go and have sex as you, as you mentioned <laughs> early on. Um, and then we get a shot of Tyrion in the hallway looking like concerned, right? Darkly yeah. down the hallway. You know what I mean? And like, that just that feels very important to me, honestly. Like, uh, you know, and I, I said as much when it happened. Like, it's just like it's uh, what is going on in Tyrion's head. Peter Dinklage has talked about it a little bit. I don't need to go into it because, like, you know, we we try to like keep things pretty clean on this podcast. But like, uh, you know, I I I am curious to see how that on un- un- like rolls out in the final season. Mm. All right. Well, those are some thoughts on uh, what we are psyched about. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's going to cover it, right, for, for this episode of the podcast before we get to the season premiere, which is this Sunday. Can you believe it? Can I just um, can I just say a few things <laughs> really you quickly? say a few things. Thank you. Um, I, this is a little gauche of me to do this, maybe. But, like, if you are listening to this podcast and you like the writing that I do on Vanity Fair – Um, something that's different about this year that hasn't been true. And this might not be the last time you hear me say this, but something that's different this year that hasn't been true in years past is uh, vanityfair.com now has a paywall. And I've heard a lot of people sort of like griping at me, like that, you know, you can, you can read four, four articles a month for free and then you have to pay to subscribe to Vanity Fair in order to read more. And I write like four articles in a night. (laughs) Game of Thrones, so you know, like people burn through their freebies pretty quickly. They call it we, the Joanna quota. Um, like when, <laughs> when it's done, it's like you filled up your Joanna quota of articles. Um, so I am going to let you guys know that there is a sale we're doing that's tied to Game of Thrones. If you go to vanityfair.com/slash thrones and uh put in the promo code thrones, you get an entire year subscription for seven dollars fifty cents. Seven dollars fifty cents. Whole year Vanity Fair, that means all the magazines, you get a tote bag, and you get unfettered access to the dot com. So $7.50 <laughs> to 
to to bring the paywall basically, down. Basically, basically, uh, <laughs> Joanna's asking for like avoid buying a sandwich for lunch one day, and you can read all of her recaps. Uh, and I mean, I, I do work really hard on them. So like, you know, think of it as like, that's what you're, you know, that's what the money's for. Anyway, so if you just, you know, you don't have to, but if you want to read my stuff and you're bummed about the paywall, bennyfair.com. I, 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 I think what Joan is trying to say is if you have enjoyed this, any single episode of this podcast for even one minute, then you should feel bad if you don't subscribe to no, Vanity Fair, right? That. I think that's, I'm, tra- I'm just translating what you're saying. No, but it was just it. Was, it was, <laughs> I want to share this final season with you guys. I have, you know, between us, I have nothing to do with, you know, the paywall. It's not a decision <laughs> I made. I would rather there is no barrier between us in the final season of Game of Thrones. I want to share it all with you guys. And so, like, you know, I asked them to do of a Game of Thrones sale. They said yes. So. $7.50, which is like really actually effing cheap. There's also, I also have a, um, like basically a newsletter that's going out every Monday morning. Um, I don't have an easy link to tell you how to get to that. It's a little bit of a complicated URL, but if you go to my Twitter at Joe wrote this, you'll see the sign up there. It's just called like the Westeros update or whatever. And it's just like a collection of all the stuff that I'm writing that you can get on Monday morning. Um, and so, you know, just to save you time having to click around, you'll get it all emailed to you. Uh, and that is that. All right. Um, so again, it's vanityfair.com slash thrones, promo code thrones, uh, to get 50% off your subscription. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, I'm very much a believer of supporting writers that you like it, 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 sometimes like a writer will write something and, uh, I've followed their work online for years. I've never paid like, you know, I'll read them on. New York Times or Wired.com or whatever, and I, I've, I've never like necessarily paid for anything they've done directly. And if they write a book, I'm like, I'm buying that book. It doesn't even matter if I'm ever going to read the book. It's just like my way of supporting that writer. Um, so I very much support the idea of paying for the things that you want. Um, and we're, we're grateful to all the people who've listened to this show who have uh, helped to support us with money over the years. Uh, and here's another way you can do that by going to VanityFair.com Thrones and using promo code THRONES. Um, and uh, you can find all my stuff at DaveChen.net. I also want to mention like there's going to be a lot of questions about when episodes are going to come out. Uh, and our goal is going to be to record on Monday nights, and the episode will be released sometime either Monday night or by Tuesday night. Um, that is going to be the goal. Uh, we might not always hit that. Sometimes it might be late. Sometimes it might be Tuesday night. I, I do not see it ever going past Wednesday night. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is the goal. Am I right about that? Yeah. Are we good? Yes. So yeah. Uh, just just know that if if you are about to ask the question on Twitter or email, where is the episode? Know that it is totally on our mind and it is stressing us out that it's not out there. So <laughs> if you feel the need to continue to add on top of that stress, feel free to send Aww. that message. Um, I just otherwise... think of it as like they're excited, <laughs> but I'm not the one who like. Edits the podcast, so I'm just like, oh, they're so excited. Yeah. And Dave's like, I'm trying. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I, here, I am traveling out of the country uh, one week, dur- and so are you, right? No, uh, no I'm not. I'm, not, oh, I'm actually oh, not, not doing that. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, I'm traveling out of the country for one week during the Game of Thrones uh, season. It could not be helped, and uh, but rest assured, 
my friends, I am taking my microphone across the border <laughs> so that Dave and I can deliver this content to you on time. Yeah. I packed my microphone; it's coming. So. All right, yeah. So we we're we're taking it seriously, but yeah, it's we're gonna try for Monday nights. It might be Tuesday sometimes at latest Wednesday. So. Uh, that's it. And of course, you can always interact with us this season by emailing acastofkings at gmail.com uh, or following us on Twitter at acastofkings on Twitter. Uh, and that's it. Um, so thanks for listening to this episode. Enjoy the season premiere of Game of Thrones. We'll see you next week.